Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It was masterful Max silencing the roar of the Tifosi on a perfect Sunday for Red Bull Racing. Some say it was a perfect weekend because of pole position, a race win, and the fastest lap. But if you think about it, it does get a little bit better. Sprint win, two pole positions, if that counts, and a Red Bull 1-2. Look, either way, maximum possible points for Max, and only a Perez third place in the sprint, which spoiled a maximum haul for the team from Milton Keynes. I'm Martin Lee, and joining me on the podcast today... In Italy, having been there all the weekend, hopefully enjoying some wonderful pizza and pasta, is Luke Smith. Alex is back at, I forget what I called it last time, your uh, your luxury bedsit? Uh, what was it? Uh, I forget I forget how I described yeah, where you a, live. A palatial bedsit, which I, I, I wrong on both points, neither a bedsit nor palatial. Anyway. And I know nothing about where Jess lives, apart from the fact that her doggo in the background is always so quiet. He's the best behaved dog in the world when you're recording these podcasts. Well trained, and he's also been given a distraction, so that's Ah. part of the case. But if that distraction ends and is eaten before the end of the podcast, you might hear from him. My wife finds that works quite well with me at times as well, (laughs) as well as as our three-year-old. Hey, Luke, I want to come to you first. You've been in... Italy for the last few days with Matt Q. I won't remind you about that though. Let's not 
bring you down with that. Uh, what an amazing weekend. What an amazing weekend of racing, though. Well, firstly, we, we should mention yesterday's podcast. You finished off by praising Q's rally driving skills. Uh, there was actually a rally on this weekend. M Sport couldn't keep, keep one of their cars out of someone's front garden. Q actually did a better job than that with a muddy car park waving ciao to your fellow media colleagues who are being towed out by a tractor. How was your exit from the track today? So we did have the rain through the day of course and around lunchtime I was like oh I could be pretty dicey getting out of there later and we were walking back to the car and we saw how muddy it was so we had to like very tread very carefully as, as to where we were going back to the car and Q just went oh I can't get this wrong now and I was like not after I bigged you up on the podcast being a brilliant rally driver like you can't screw it up now but uh, yeah he, uh, he gave it the beans again we got out safely and smoothly and yeah very straightforward trip back to Bologna and uh, no it's been it's been a fantastic weekend though I must say it's uh, Imola is a track that I think growing up you always peer about and you always know the history of and I think it was one of those circuits that I never thought I would go to for Formula 1 because of sort of when I got into the sport it was long gone from the calendar it came back under Covid Alex and I had a really good trip there in in 2020 but this weekend to see it with the Tifosi in full force to see sort of just how everyone gets behind Ferrari to see all of the sort of the red flags and the red flares and the just the, the passion there is for Ferrari I mean you get it at Monza every single year but with Imola it just felt it was a, I mean literally it is a bit closer to home it is closer to Maranello and it was just wonderful and I spent FP2 trackside and I, I've come away being like yeah this is this is one of my favorite racetracks in the world now and one of my favorite events I think it's been a, a really brilliant weekend and uh, yeah the race wasn't a, wasn't a thriller wasn't one we're going to be talking about for years to come I don't think but plenty of really good storylines and I think it set things up really really well in the early stages of this championship fight as I've mentioned a Red Bull 1-2 Max Verstappen leading home Sergio Perez big big margin of victory though 16 and a half seconds uh, and then another 18 seconds back to Lando Norris for McLaren Mercedes believe it or not were in fourth with George Russell Valtteri Bottas fifth in the Alfa Romeo Charles Leclerc in sixth Big storyline there to talk about for Ferrari. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, great race for AlphaTauri in seventh. Sebastian Vettel somehow getting the Aston Martin into the points. Uh, K-Mag in the house in ninth. And the second Aston Martin for Lance Stroll in tenth. Today, that was an incredible weekend. Uh, Luke, I'll come to you again just because, you know, you're there, you've been in Italy. And also, you want to go and audio Deliveroo in a minute. So I'll, I'll come to you first and then give you some time off. A faultless Weekend from Red Bull, and we'll come to Alex in a minute for his his uh, his thoughts on on driver ratings and things. But I know he'll say, "Well, you know, you can't give Verstappen." Well, I won't put words into his mouth. Also, but, I don't have to uh, do him this know, weekend. Yeah. That's all on Matt Q, and, and oh, I'm loving it. It's fine. He's doing it. You know, can you give someone a perfect score when no, are there maximum know, when, scores? When, They're not perfect. When, Never call them perfect. Oh, okay, maximum thing, score yeah. when when. Max messed up the start of the sprint, but I don't know. I just think, uh, Luke, that was a pretty incredible weekend for Red Bull and they're going to party tonight. They are, yeah. I think it was it was a brilliant weekend for Red Bull. And Christian Horner, we spoke to him after, after the race and it was a, a world away from when we had a chat in Australia and he was pretty, pretty downbeat as the whole Red Bull team was and he took forever to come and speak to us because he had to go and find out what had been the issues with the car. And yeah, it was they were really sort of left licking their wounds. But this was a total turnaround. He said that, yeah, it's been it's been one of the best results in Red Bull's history. They scored 58 out of a possible 59 points on the table 
table this weekend, which is uh, really incredible when you toss up all of the the fastest lap bonus, the sprint race points. And uh, I think that they just, they appeared to have an edge over Ferrari all weekend long. And Horner said that really it was about getting the tyres just into the right window to really get the maximum performance out of them. And it seemed like Red Bull just managed to do that a lot better than, than Ferrari did. And over over the race distances, yeah, they, they were in a really good shape. So yeah, I think that we saw that Leclerc really had to fight to try and keep it sort of anything with the rebels we saw that's why he was pushing so hard to try and catch Sergio Perez in those final few stages that resulted in that spin at the Variante Alta so it wasn't uh yeah it was a weekend where Ferrari really had to push to the limit and over the limit in the clerk's case if they wanted to try and catch for Red Bull and be in that fight, so no, a really good weekend from Red Bull. I won't, um, I, I won't go into the debate of was it, was it, was it a ten out of ten? Was it perfect? But it was massively impressive, maximum. and I think it has yeah. maximum, <laughs> maximum. Ma- max to the max. It's uh, been, uh, yeah, very, very impressive indeed. Yeah, it was lap fifty-three. Leclerc was up to third after making a, a late stop, a second, about a second behind Perez at the time. He was so aggressive on one of the sausage curbs, it spun him around. I think lucky that it didn't damage the suspension. It was pretty much a a, a flat onto the wall, but it did mean a front wing change uh, and another stop. Alex, I want to talk to you about this because obviously Leclerc didn't finish where he should have. And, you know, non-Ferrari fans will, will say, well, he finished where he finished because it was a forced mistake he was trying too hard but that was probably a second place was the best he would have done today yeah I think there's two elements to his race one is the start just didn't get off the line you know just didn't he reacted well enough but it was that secondary phase just didn't accelerate very well and ends up back behind Lando Norris battled back very nicely and was putting Perez under pressure but I think you saw as both stints wore on the Red Bull just had enough pace in hand it was kind of on its tyres that was the key difference Mattia Bonotto said that you know look it just seems that with that one practice session they had on Friday being wet the the work they had to do would obviously been even more difficult not having that data to rely on Um, and he just seems he's sort of suggesting that Red Bull Red Bull did the better job Red Bull also came here with a few updates I think they've made that car better but they've also worked on it the big problem in Australia massive problem was just the balance it was all over the place and you've heard that complaints from Max Verstappen quite a lot so far the first few races and I think that just took Red Bull clear of Ferrari which haven't brought any updates yet and I think Leclerc knew he was under pressure and it was a mistake it was his first big mistake of the year and what's interesting is that you know he was sort of saying in Australia look I'm not having to overdrive I'm not having to put these big efforts in to get higher places because the car is so good and the first time where it was clearly a step behind Red Bull he's gone and done it so he's going to be he should be disappointed in himself for that he realised that that part of the track, that chicane, was the only bit where the Ferrari was faster, that lower speed, tighter corners. They're definitely going to win Monaco, 100%. They're going to have a one-two there. And Red Bull are absolutely going to walk it at Monza. Like, it's not going to be happy hunting grounds. Uh, it's, just the, it's just the nature, the, the difference, you know, the, 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 the natures of the two cars are so different. But yeah, so he was trying too hard, trying to stay in the DRS of Perez and that spun him into the barriers. And he's going to, you know, he's going to be downbeat. But judging by what we've seen from him before, He'll probably respond well well from it. In terms of second driver status, Perez doing exactly what he should do. In fact, there's an article you can read on autosport.com now written by Luke just after the race, uh, which points out this is the best Red Bull finish. First 1-2 since Malaysia 2016. And this is what Red Bull have not had, which is when there's a fast approaching competitor, which has always been Lewis Hamilton and this year's is Charles Leclerc, that they have their second driver, because he is, behind Max at a decent distance to do that job. And, of course, they did it at the end of last season. But this is surely Perez 
saying, right, I know exactly what I'm here to do. And in a different way than I felt as time went on as at Mercedes, you know, if Bottas and Hamilton were racing, you, I, I don't know, maybe you disagree with this. I always got the feeling that Bottas was a little more like, oh, he might have a go here because on a good day, Bottas is so fast. I always feel with Red Bull, like Perez is never going to be, oh, I'll have a go at Verstappen. He just did his job, I thought, perfectly today. Actually. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very much Max's team, isn't it? You, could, you, could, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't expect <laughs> Perez to challenge him and he's far too clever for that. But, you know, early stage of the season, if they were wheel to wheel, I think he'd still, he'd still have a go, but he wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't squeeze him, wouldn't, wouldn't put anything over the edge. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been pretty critical of Perez during my time, um, you know, the last couple of years doing this role, particularly when he joined Red Bull, obviously, at the start of 2021, because he wasn't been able to get close to Max. And that still has borne out, you know, other than qualifying in Saudi Arabia and then again today, there have been moments where he's still, you know, either got himself pushed off or pushed out of position at the start and made his life harder. And yeah, he he got the second place in Australia, but really that was only, you know, because it was was Verstappen retiring, you know, it was was the minimum, he was so far back. But today and, and this weekend... Very, very impressive. Well done, Sergio Perez. As I say, I think it helps that the Red Bull was quicker and it's Imola and it's difficult to pass and things like that. Um, but yeah, fair play to him. Well done. Um, just, yeah, the, the gap is is how Red Bull need it. Verstappen clear and doing the winning and Perez backing him up excellently. Now, sometimes we go back and do the race chronologically and it doesn't always tell the full story, but actually, Jess, we should do today because so much of the final result was from lap one in case people are wondering, oh yeah, why, why was Carlos Sainz a DNF and, and why did Danny Ricciardo finish last? Well, it, it's all because of that, that first lap when they were, correct me, I want to say fifth and sixth. You know, they came together, you had that massive, oh, from the Italian uh, fans, there's a moment of there on the onboard where Ricardo has to do a correction, and that might be where he kind of puts him back into the path a little bit more of the Ferrari. What do you think? It's a racing incident, really. I think Ricardo, if you're going to apply a, any kind of scale of blame, maybe, um, as you say, the correction kind of skewed him into the side of, of Carlos. I don't think Carlos was at fault at all. Um, but it's one of those things when you're battling and they're both trying to climb up. They can see their teammates kind of there in front of them and they, they want to get as far up. And as we found, those that made the biggest progress at the start had the better race, which again, sounds like a, a silly thing. But the the amount of progress that some drivers made at that start paved the way for the rest of the for the rest of the race so um it was really important and massively unfortunate and really just does not help either driver with where they want to be and again that sounds like a very obvious thing to say that a dnf <laughs> no, but it's and true, starting though. at the back but both those drivers are desperate for better performances to prove to their team that they can bring home the results that their teammates are. Lando Norris finishing P3, okay, fair enough, off the back of Leclerc's mistake. That's an amazing result for McLaren, especially if we're talking about where they started. I know they had a brake issue um, in Bahrain, which is why they were so far back. But, you know, that that's, that's where they're expecting to be or where they're wanting to be. And when you're... I mean, it was... <laughs> I don't actually know if it was a good thing or a bad thing that he managed to keep the car going because, to be honest, he did nothing uh, apart from, I guess, glean a little bit of data for the team, which I guess is why they kept the car running. But other than that, it was a bit of a a bit of a wasted time out on Sunday. Um, He was also a very, very good guinea pig because he was the first one to to dip in for for slicks. So everyone, I'm sure, was watching his uh, his timing screen closely to see if those mediums uh, switched on, which they seemed to do. Um, But Science just can't get a break. 
And I think there's a mixture of fortune and the F1 gods just not giving him a shot, but also there are some things that he needs to work on himself as as a driver. He's really trying to learn that Ferrari. I said this to Luke and Luke said that this might have been a bit too harsh, but I said science <laughs> science cannot become Bottas. Oh, like I, this I also said that to Kevin Turner by the way. So don't worry Jess, we're we're in the same Oh lane. great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there we go. I've got I've got backup. So okay, I'm interested to know what what you said then Alex because I, I just can't the, the narrative I know we're only like we're only at the start of the season. There's plenty more races to go. But the it's at this point where we start to feel the way that that the rhythm of the season almost like we it's can, momentum yeah it's momentum and and, though, and right? I, you know as as Max pointed out when he was having reliability issues those races are going to be the ones that count when when it's so tight at the top and as Alex pointed out it looks like there are going to be races this season that are going to favour Ferrari and that are going to favour Red Bull and and that is going to be the the pendulum swing between the two as to who's going to come home with uh, the titles yeah I think so obviously being extremely flippant towards both drivers we're trying to be trying to be amusing (laughs) for a podcast Um, but yeah you you can make that comparison A because it's just kind of funny but also you know that that did seem to happen at Mercedes it was always the Bottas car that had the terrible luck and you do get that in teams you know the same the same at Red Bull back in the day with Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel things like that things just just sort of it just seems to be the way of things in Formula One that if there's a sort of dominant leading super successful uh, driver in one car the other one just isn't quite able to get onto their level and 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 when there are two of those uh, in the same team there's, there's always flashpoints so what I would say with science is first of all it's very very early in the season um but it's hard to know whether his mistake in qualifying and things like the mistake in Australia is is he reacting to the bad luck, for example, like all the awful stuff with the with the steering wheel, you know, with um, uh, the engine not firing up in in Australia. That he seems to be suggesting that's what caused his mistake. So was it a continuation of that in qualifying? But it sounds it's, it's, you 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 would reflect on it at that point that it wasn't because nothing had gone wrong so far for his weekend. So. Is it that the pressure of finally having a Ferrari that is in a title fight, he isn't able to handle it as well as Leclerc has done? Okay, Leclerc made his mistake today, but he's proved with his two wins that he's obviously doing well enough. So yeah, it's kind of, it's just erring towards a Bottas situation, which again, being flippant, but he needs to reverse this run really, really quickly. Otherwise he is going to end up tarred with that, you know, reputation. At this point of the season, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. He does need to turn it around pretty quickly. And but Carlos, I mean, he spoke after the race and he said basically he he feels that every season a driver will have a race where you make a mistake and you, and you crash out, and every season you have a race where someone else makes a mistake and crashes into you. And he said it's just sod's law that I've had those in back to back weekends. And I think it is. It's definitely a dent. Like it's definitely not good, and it's a big big setback at the, at the start of this year, and particularly after how well he started. Um, particularly particularly in Bahrain and he looks really on on pace with the clerk and in, in that fight particularly in qualifying there but he said that after he said after the race so basically it doesn't actually hurt that much didn't it wasn't much of a obviously disappointing but he's not going to lose sleep over what happened to today because it wasn't his fault and he, he he knew that and Ricardo was very honest about that and talking to him in the media pen after the race he said no it was my mistake that I I hit the curb a little bit and that just sent me running into into Carlos and I kind of knew what was going to happen and uh, and that was and that was race done for science and I think yeah it was it was a it was a racing incident that Ricardo was more at fault for causing if, if that makes sense and I think that 
Science, he knows yeah he's got to come back fighting and he's got to he's got to, he's got to bounce back from this because it has been a difficult a difficult couple of races obviously uh, i agree alex yeah he does need to he does need to recover and he does need to show that he's learning from these mistakes not letting uh, i wouldn't say a red mist but sort of overreacting in terms of what happened in australia because that's what he did he said i lacked the calmness i literally was like, i've got to get back up the field and that's what caused him to go off um yeah, he needs to show that, I think, as we come into, what, Miami, Spain, particularly Spain at his home race, and not let the idea of, okay, I've got a race-winning car, potentially a championship-winning car underneath me, become too much and maybe overdrive it. Leclerc, I mean, his big strength throughout his F1 career has been learning from his mistakes, not making the same mistake twice. That, I think, is going to be really interesting for science. Is it the same kind of thing? Because, yeah, I do agree that um, qualifying shunt on... Friday was a, a very basic error, and even Bonotto was like, he was he didn't need to be pushing that hard. Science said he wasn't pushing that hard, but yeah, it was uh, a pretty basic error. Just very quickly on the, the Bottas comparison again, the reason why it does sort of work is because in the early phases of the season, Science has been able to get very, very close to Leclerc in qualifying, which Bottas was able to do with Hamilton at Mercedes, often beat him because they're both incredibly fast racing drivers. But the difference was they couldn't keep up with the race pace and the tyre management. And you, you, okay, there's not been a lot of evidence the last two races for Science in terms of what he'd be able to do to stay with Leclerc. But in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, that was the difference. He was quite far back from his teammate by the end of the race, despite having pushed him uh, very hard in qualifying. How are you feeling about sprint weekend, Jess, after experiencing the first one? We are allowed to call it a race, finally. Ross Braun finally we... came out and said we can no. call it a race. Have we had the decision from on high? God, <laughs> Honestly, the amount of mental... I mean, everyone's going to probably come at me cause to say how stupid, but the amount of mental capacity I used to have to push to not say race... And just say sprint. sprint. But you do it's feel like you're like, there's a word missing here. Sprint what? Like, what does that even mean? We, we just, um, the Autosport yeah. Style Guide, I believe, we just were like, we well, know it is literally a race, therefore we're gonna, just going to I love that. Race. Sorry, F1. I love, there's a, yeah. There is a start. There is a grid. There are some lights. They go out. There are well, that's because the, the FIA told us it's qualifying. It's the FIA that was like, it's qualifying. And it's like, no, no, it's, it's a race. We're just going to write race because it's a race. <laughs> the interesting thing is that a lot of listeners might not you know, understand, obviously there is a range of brilliant podcasts and outlets and blogs and things. And if, if you are autosport, and we've been around for 70 plus years, and you say something that somebody doesn't often like, then you, then the decision comes from on high and we hear about it. If you're doing a bedroom blog or a, you know, a podcast or whatever, as brilliant as they are, they probably don't get the same phone calls that we get because we're trying to keep everyone happy. Anyway, um, so I, I think it was a brilliant a brilliant weekend of, uh, of racing. Who says you can't overtake at, uh, at Imola because there are some, some, some fa- I thought, some fantastic moments. Well, Early this, in the race, I thought. This is like the first kind of challenging circuit where we know overtaking is super difficult so it was going to be the first time that we could see if actually the new regs were going to make a difference and in the sprint you would say yes and I think in the race you could still say yes there's been an improvement but as we saw I mean I did find it really funny that during the sprint um, everybody was saying oh DRS is way too powerful around Imola we need to kind of scale it back or you know maybe do do, get rid of it and then those same people were manically demanding that DRS (laughs) be enabled uh during during the race but again like it's it's because they're two completely different beasts yes okay they're both races now um but you have different levels of tire deg and different levels of strategy and the, the 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 gapping in the field 
changes so you don't have that same it's just a mad dash to the finish line and do 21 laps it's we're, we're, we're playing the long game here and obviously there was uh, today there was obviously the weather that also became a factor so the strategists uh, they kept coming on and saying it's going to rain it's going to rain and then it never did and then it started to drizzle at the end so there's there's so many different factors that mean that actually it's probably not fair to compare the entertainment level of the sprint versus the entertainment of, of today now in the grand scheme of recent and I know we haven't got many recent races to go by it was okay around Imola I was I'll I'll take it but we still had DRS trains we still had struggling to pass like I'm sure we're going to get onto it but Lewis Hamilton was stuck behind behind Pierre Gasly um so there are still it's not perfect but it's a damn sight better I think the FIA and F1 can be pleased with the impact that the new regs have had um in 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 creating a bit more entertainment around a track like Imola where it is typically difficult um but I was I'm still the jury is still out I can't decide if I like sprint race weekends or or not they tend to add obviously to the drama and we tend to have quite dramatic races off the back whether or not that's you can directly say that's because of um the sprints I'm not sure I can't I can't decide but I also don't know like where when do we decide if they're good or not because we're we're running them for three races this year the idea is to then um multiply that next year but I I I'm a bit of a purist in the sense that I don't like gimmicky elements added to Formula One and and having them only for a few circuits make gives me that gimmicky feel but but the alternative is to either have them at every race which fans might not like they might not work it might fall a bit flat I can't decide if I like them and I think the the addition of the of the rain and the weather factors today kind of doesn't allow us to maybe judge fairly whether or not the sprint was a good thing or not or not a good thing I'm I'm very similar to you Jess I think I there's just so many elements of it that I don't like but it is actually quite good, which I don't. I know it makes yeah. no sense, but anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> this is as a you. no sense autosport yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, some would say it's like that. Anyway, um, my thing that I really hate with the sprint is that they award points for it. I think that's totally ridiculous. If the whole point is to set the grid, don't give points for it. It's just, I, I, and I especially thought that was the case last year. I wrote my column about it for the magazine and for autosport.com plus last week. It just really, really annoys me because there is already a sporting reward for gaining places in that sprint race and that's that's your spot on the grid doesn't need to award points for it anyway for that column i went back and looked at the the, the three from last year and I was like well what did 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 the sprint have the, an impact on the outcome of the grand prix it definitely did at silverstone it definitely did at monaco it was less of an impact at brazil because that was just all about lewis hamilton and coming back and he had such a, a car performance and an engine performance difference over everybody else here again because of the weather as you said jess I don't think you can say the sprint made any impact at all on the outcome of the Grand Prix. Yeah, some drivers were a few spots higher up, but Leclerc losing second place off the line, going down to fourth, that was all to do with the weather, nothing to do with what happened in the sprint. So it's kind of like, it's just it was just interesting watching it from the outside because like, I was on site for, well, I wasn't in Brazil, but I was in um, at Silverstone and at Monza. And I just, I sort of was just like, oh, I'm not sure in terms of the way it makes our sort of jobs different. I'm not sure I, maybe it's just because I'm just not used to it because it was something different. Didn't think I enjoyed it as much. Watching it from the outside, I found it really interesting having qualifying on a Friday night and that sort of like set everything and GD up. 
So yeah, it's just a funny sort of, I like it and I don't like it. And I know that's fence sitting, but that's just kind of what it what it is at the moment. I'm not going to sit on a fence and I'm going to give a very, very unpopular opinion, which uh, is that I, I like sprint races. I think that... Great! The, the, for me, it is that, look, and I'm, they're not perfect. I, and I'm going to absolutely say that now. And I think there are some changes that, that, that are needed. For me... I mean, you look at the weekend format, basically what we have is instead of a, instead of three practice sessions, we get two practice sessions and a race. And to me, that is, that, that's better. That, that, that is an improvement. I think the big change that they need to make for the sprint races is they need to make it a standalone event. I think they need to make it that if, if the whole point is that we have action all three days and we want the Saturday sprint to be flat out, no pit stops, just pedal to the floor, go for it. I think you need to remove that setting the grid for Sunday's race. I think you need to make it that the drivers are told, right, okay, you've, you've basically got an extra race. There are points on offer. I think, yeah, the the maybe you go back to the old um, pre-2010 system where the top eight get points, 10 for the win or whatever, or you keep it at the 87654 that we have now. But to me, that would, that would meet the idea of making it exciting i think it would give incentives to the drivers and um i think uh, i believe it was kevin kevin magnuson who, who said after yesterday he's like yeah i think if you made it standalone then we want to take more risk because at the moment there is still the okay now there are extra points on offer that's a step in the right direction but i don't think that made anyone change their approach thinking like oh there's more to play for i think if you make it standalone i think it'll tick all the boxes and i think that i think the idea of going to six events next year, I think that is maybe a little bit too many. I think that three is a good number. And I, I, I actually quite like the idea of events having more of an identity. Like, I mean, Vegas, for example, that's going to be a Saturday night race. That's really cool. And to me, I think if you have more races like that, same with, I mean, I think personally, it's a shame that Monaco has lost its normal Thursday practice and then Friday being a rest day format, not just because of the Red Bull party on the Thursday night, but it's um, it, because <laughs> because it gave that event some kind of personality. And I think that sprint re- weekends can be similar to that. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm in favour of sprints. I think that there are some tweaks needed, but I think the other thing is that they are here to stay. I don't think we're going to see F1 backpedal on sprints anytime soon because they are, they're ticking the boxes. And I know a lot of fans don't like them. I said after yesterday, it was the best sprint so far. I got an absolute pile on, on Twitter from people. What? Because, really? Yeah, yeah, because people are like, oh, like, didn't you watch Brazil last year? Oh no, they're all terrible. And it's like, for, for me, I mean, Brazil no, last wait, year. No, wait, wait, but I thought, I thought you'd be biased towards the Brazil sprint race because Hamilton did such uh, exactly, a Exactly, because of classic British We're also biased. And, yeah, and I'm sure yes, that, classic. oh gosh, I don't know. But it's, um, yeah, it got to support. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, got, I got a lot of that, that today as well. So yeah, yeah, I'm, it's, uh, it's, I'm slightly triggered. And, and and oh, we always I've never been accused win. of bias. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we always, just because we are speaking English language, that you all love Hamilton. Although, yeah, I know what you mean. Actually, on Alex's point about, there's something about it. I think it's because ever since GP2 started back in 2005, they've always had sprint and feature races. It always felt like that was the second class citizen to Formula One, which had the Grand Prix. It was like the build-up event. And then when Formula One was doing that format, race format, I was always like, well, it kind of cheapens it a bit. But I'm going to argue against myself and say... I still absolutely loved it. Although it was brilliant. Uh, bring it on more, please. So um, I, I would say that, uh, sorry, not, not, I don't want to labour the point on sprint, but I feel like this is the big debate of the Autosport podcast. But if Luke is, is what's Luke saying is that they're here to stay and that he thinks they're working and, and you know, maybe, you know, some of us are a little bit more, ugh, then just apply them to all the weekends. Because I don't, I really don't like the idea of them being a separate event because 
why would anyone care about them? Like, what's the point? Be- because why are we? I, I, I get more to play for. How? How would that add into the the championship standings? Would we because, count points? Would we? Yeah, we would because it's another race. Yes, I'm going to give you a like big it. birthday cake, but I'm going to give you another <laughs> third of a birthday cake. Where's the issue? <laughs> <laughs> Right, Got you, you there. can't argue. Just because, more, I guess, you, so, so what I'm coming, the way I'm coming at it is, if I'm honest, right, well, I remember when I was first getting into racing and I was first getting into the lower series, I found actually Formula 2, that format, complicated to get into, right? I found it quite like, so sure, wait, sure, and, sure. and I mean, since, since, since they've changed it, holy smokes, good luck to anyone new trying to watch Formula 2, because what? So what I'm saying is that I think as a, as a, as a, um, championship we overcomplicate so much of the way that we essentially say whoever completes the most amount of laps and is in the in at the front wins we seem to overcomplicate that process and now I'm not saying that we need to dumb it down because obviously it is meant to be the pinnacle of racing it's meant to be the best teams in the world with the best drivers in the world so many of F1's problems lie at the heart of the fact that it's an extremely complex championship with extremely complex rules. And if we add like another facet to that, I just, I, I'm maybe, maybe I've just been burned so many times by, by this kind of stuff and, and us having debates about how are we policing the sport? How are we, um, you know, how do we explain this to new fans and get more fans interested, which obviously F1 has done an amazing job at doing. And you could maybe argue two races in a weekend, everyone's going to watch. It's going to be amazing. Maybe you're right. I would, maybe if that's the way it's going, I'd be optimistic towards that. But I just feel like constantly adding complexity is not the way that F1 should be going is is what I'm saying sure but I don't I don't think it is complex I think it's I think so if they made it it's a standalone race then it, I think it's very simple then I think it's it's really straightforward and yeah fans might be like oh hang on a minute it wasn't there one race last week why are there two this week but you say ah it's sprint weekends so you get two races uh i don't know but yeah i think that that's the big change they need to make the current format yeah i agree alex totally that setting the grid for sunday's race that is still a bit of a is yeah it's a bit uneasy i mean look at okay look at guan yu joe for example i spoke to fred for after the race and he was like yeah his pace is brilliant and basically without that crash with gasly in, in the sprint he, he'd have been in a really good position um yeah, I think that's the big change that needs to happen. But it's good that we disagree. It's, it's not, it's, I'm glad. Like It's like the old podcast days, Jess. Of, uh, is it just me? I'm going to police this podcast now and say, stop talking about the sprint race, <laughs> even though I started it, because I want to make Look a whole podcast did, about sprint races and get our, uh, I don't know, get some listeners on or something and have a, a proper debate about it. <laughs> it clearly is something we need to talk about a bit more. Hey, we're over our halfway point, and I feel like this happens, uh, it's happened before when, you know, Hamilton was dominant and you don't see any of the leaders car in the TV coverage. I feel like we haven't talked about Red Bull and Verstappen enough because of the absolutely flawless job he did this weekend, but does anybody else have any more points they want to make about that? If not, we'll move on. Uh, Again, you're using words like flawless. Well, what about a start the sprint race? Uh, Okay. There's a serious case for him having a nine in the driver ratings because of that. But then you'd also say it was a a car thing, you know, but they all work together. But I think if I was writing it, I think he earns the maximum back. Because he was he just so good in the Grand Prix. Like, it was so good. Is on All right, good. Now. Before we uh, take a break, uh, the most important question I guess we need answered from Luke and Q is what did you decide on your delivery order? Um, there's pizza coming. Q's just, Q is now in the oh. room. Uh, he's just popped in to say, is Alex insulting me? And uh, what's Max getting in the driver ratings, Q? 
Nine. Ooh. <gasps> oh, gee. He only did oh. one. Okay, he screwed up his start in a sprint race. So mistakes and he loses a point. Did he or did his? Did the car screw it up? We're going to get into another debate. <laughs> okay, right, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we will go down the rest of the grid. Stay there. Back in a moment. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Okay, second half of the podcast. We'll rattle through the grid a little bit. And Lando Norris. Uh, so McLaren will be utterly delighted with the third place in the podium. At the same time, talk about Daniel Ricciardo coming in last in 18th. With Norris, yes. Leclerc span, yes. Those cars are slower than the Ferraris. And science was DNF after lap one. But still... It all counts. They've got the points. Uh, Luke, did you talk to McLaren after the race? They've got to be made up with that. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, Lando Norris. I mean, he he spoke in the press conference and he said that after Bahrain and how much they struggled there, he didn't think they would score a podium all season long because they were, I mean, they were a long way off. But what McLaren have found is the more and more they've run the car, the more they've understood it, the more they realised Bahrain was such an outlier. And it was a real, like, it was a... It, it, it was a race where yeah nothing worked and they struggled because they hadn't done the test running and everything like that and um, they were really on the back foot and since then they've slowly got a bit more to looking like they were in the first Barcelona test where we were like oh they could be even fighting with Ferrari and the head of Mercedes and they were yeah they've been in good shape and I think that they're not they're, they looked a pretty comfortable third fastest team this weekend I thought and after after qualifying I mean uh, Andreas Seidel he, he was asking us he was like okay like where's Bottas how is Bottas doing and he was like really worried about the Alfa Romeos um, but yeah in the end um, yeah Norris was a good a good um, way ahead of them and uh, yeah I think that is asked me what McLaren that's the best they can hope to do now is sort of be in the position to pick up the pieces when things fall apart for the cars ahead that's what they did with the Ferraris today and I think that for Lando yeah it was a very a very mature drive very straightforward he said it was a bit lonely but uh, yeah a pretty good performance um, to, to pick up the pieces uh, for Daniel Ricciardo yeah obviously that Turn one clash really did just make the race an extended test session and uh, as Jess said he was kind of the guinea pig in terms of many when he made the switch and he said that he ran good on the mediums and that he thought look let's just go for it but then when he switched to the hards his pace just plummeted completely but that did actually help Norris because McLaren were on the radio to Lando saying really manage your pace because we've seen Lan- as seen Daniel move on to the hards and he's really really struggled McLaren could be pretty pleased with this weekend and I think they are starting to now realise that okay Bahrain and that real shock of god where are we are we miles off the pace actually they're no they're they're in, they're in pretty good shape and I think that they're um yeah I think that midfield fight you would you would put them at the head of it right now so that puts Lando sixth in the driver's rankings the standings so far I'll just run through them as we're talking about it Charles Leclerc still leads the drivers championship obviously but Max after picking up 34 points this weekend has jumped up to second he was behind Lewis Hamilton going into this weekend Uh, Sergio Perez is third George Russell who was second down to fourth Carlos Sainz is fifth and Lando Norris who picked up uh, 19 points in total from this weekend in Sixth, so yeah, great, great news for uh, McLaren. And in terms of the 
Uh, Constructors' Championship, Ferrari uh, with 124 points and Red Bull 113 points. That massive gap being closed. And then somehow Mercedes with 77 points ahead of McLaren with 46 points. So uh, we'll talk about that, actually. And and, uh, next was George Russell in fourth. But I want to skip him, Jess, because... I want to wrap George Russell and Hamilton into a bigger Mercedes chat in about five minutes. And then coming home fifth, that, the pace in the Alfa Romeo looks to me genuine. But what do you think with Bottas coming in fifth? Have you come to me first on purpose? Yes. Great, yeah. great. No, yes. I just, it was your, wasn't it your turn? Praise it him, was your turn. I don't, I, I don't him. know. No, okay, are you ready for this? Go on. He did a great job. Yeah. Right, that's the clip. That's the clip we're using on social tomorrow. <laughs> no, but again, like, yeah. It, it, it's, it is great to see him doing so well at that team. And I think he was speaking about um, before uh, we ran a story on it on autosport.com about how it's a completely different environment when the focus is on you and the team is focusing on on what you can bring and, and building the building the car around you because you are the lead driver. And, and that must be a massive confidence boost um, to him. And I guess... Something that I'm really interested in as well, um, again, talking about the science mirroring, is is here we go. We have another driver who had a bit of a hard time for the last five years being Lewis Hamilton's teammate, now in a midfield car and putting in performances that if you hadn't seen him in Mercedes before, you'd probably be looking at him going, oh, he should be in a top team. He's doing amazing in that alpha. But there is something to be said about the drivers that can cope with the the pressure of being in the top and driving the top and 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 competing and having teammates that are so uh, on such a level it's an interesting one i don't so i'm not trying to i'm not trying to do down bottas i think he he did he did great definitely exciting watching him reading them in in the last few laps and 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 looking like he was going to get george russell at the end um obviously i think i don't know if both of them started getting imola flashbacks but um bottas said he was he had Did to he? put that out of his mind. Yeah, he was asked about that and he said, I was trying really? to think about that. But yeah, I thought that was quite that was quite funny. It was uh, at least creeping in a little bit. But you would understand it would, right? Because here's, here's George struggling. Well, n- not struggling mm. in terms of his performance today. He Again, like what a standout performance from George. But again, I guess being in, in a Mercedes team that's struggling, his Bottas's old seat and here it here out Bottas is in an Alfa Romeo reeling him in like the psychological battle that must have gone on between the two of them in those two separate cars must have been insane both of them managed it well there was no incident Bottas couldn't get past George in the end but yeah it was it was it was a, a another very strong performance from from Bottas in that Alfa and he made some overtakes to get there as well. He, he didn't just luck in, luck into that. We just mentioned we skipped over George Russell uh, a little bit, but we've talked about that, Alex. I, I want to get into a, a bit of a, a bit of a chunky chat about Mercedes. So everyone who thinks we have a huge British bias, uh, they can complain right now because out of order, as it were, because we've got some more of the top ten to talk about in a moment. But I want to talk about uh, Mercedes and and how you're feeling, Alex, about that team. Lewis Hamilton after the race. Let me think. I got some. I pulled out some quotes. Lewis Hamilton said, "It's been difficult." And it's not easy. We all feel it as a team. At least George got points today. Apologies to everyone that I wasn't able to. Everyone is head down trying their best. I found it frustrating. I just want to move forwards. I just wasn't close enough to overtake. I was a sitting duck today. 
And I think I haven't got the, the exact quote, but I saw something afterwards where he's kind of written off the championship. Alex, can we get your thoughts on Lewis Mercedes track to track performance and, and, and how you how you're feeling about the start of their season after the, you know a terrible weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not nothing's changed in terms of my assessment of Mercedes at the moment. It's a bit, it's been awful since they introduced that updated car in Bahrain. Well, you say nothing's changed, but by now, for, but shouldn't they have started? Well, yeah, they, to bring they've bought some little fixes? updates, but it's it's such a horrendous problem. Car's been awful for weeks now. Um, but George Russell, to be fair to him, was brilliant. I think that's his best F one performance. I mean, it even tops that twenty twenty Sakir Grand Prix weekend. Um, yeah, fa- fantastic there. I mean, it's 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 really interesting with the with the porpoising. Well, sort of no, not really interesting, but sort of amusingly. Every time the Ferrari bounces, I just think it's hilarious because it just looks funny and it's going really quick at the same time. The Mercedes looks painful. I'm not surprised. Uh, Russell, yeah, he's, he's he's having a bad time, and Hamilton clearly is as well. You know, Total Wolf saying the car is just undrivable for them. Um, but yeah, this weekend is is is. It's surprising to see Lewis Hamilton so far from Russell. Um, Luke, I don't know if, if he said anything after the race specifically explaining the gap. Was there a, was there a reason why Hamilton was, was off it or was it just an off weekend for him? Oh, it was just an off weekend. He didn't he didn't really go into any... He wasn't in the most talkative mood when he came to the media pen after the race. It was, uh, yeah, fairly fairly brief answers. In the transcript, the longest answer we get from him is two sentences long. So it was, uh, yeah, he wasn't uh, wasn't most verbose is how I think... Well, at least he, ter- at least he, turned, at least he turned up to the media pen because in Australia, um, I was watching, <laughs> he just walked, just ignored everybody. He just went sort of cut behind everyone and then sort of like, took a back route round back to the Mercedes, not motorhome, the, you know, the little tents they have in Melbourne. But anyway, Sorry, you were saying. He finished 13th. For anyone who was wondering about, where he, if I didn't mention at the beginning, Lewis Hamilton finished 13th. And I know I wrote down somewhere in my notes today what lap he uh, he got lapped on, but it, he was certainly not on the lead lap at the end. Um, I can't find lap it where 40, it was, but it, it was early enough in there. Enough of the race left to go to be depressing. Yeah, it anyway, was, then, but it was something that... So Horner and Verstappen were both asked about it, and Horner said... I don't particularly think about it. I'm not going to take any real satisfaction in it. But you, Liar. in terms of the the narrative, yeah, in terms of the narrative of where things are at, it was, um, yeah. I think that it's just it's, again, it's just a world away from last year, and it shows just how far Mercedes has has fallen. And for Hamilton, yeah, I mean, it's 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 galling, and it is it's uncomfortable. I mean, any great sports star or athlete or anything. It's never nice seeing them not at the peak of their powers or, or really struggling. And I know that we see these, yeah, these amazing sort of fight backs and things like that. But it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not pretty watching right now. And I think it's, um, it's, it's a tough period. I think this is going to be, maybe this is sort of going to define sort of the, the final stage of Lewis Hamilton's career and sort of, yeah, how, how things, how things finish. Can he lead Mercedes out of this hole that they're in and, and, and get back up and maybe go for the eighth and, and get it. But right now it's just, yeah, it just seems a, an absolute world away for them. And is it any wonder that he's subdued? This, I mean, this is the thing. Like I know, no, no, no. I know we have to write headlines, right? I know we have to write stories and I'm not saying that we're necessarily at fault for this, but a lot of the coverage kind of has been over I feel like over egging the fact that Lewis is subdued and oh my god will he retire and obviously he I think one of the the strongest things that he said um was the fact that he's compared this to his 2009 season with McLaren which he said was the worst car he's ever driven and he said that this one is feels pretty much the same which obviously you know that was 
a, an appalling year, but he still won a race in that season with that car. But it's, it, which, the problem, I guess the yeah. bigger, more scary thing as well is for, for, for Mercedes is that in the cost cap era, they can't just build a new car. That 2009 no. McLaren was heavily redone and they obviously, they, you know, they, they, they fixed it very nicely. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like, where do they suddenly find all this performance? I'm just not sure it's going to happen. They're not in the world championship fight. They've said that from the get go, right, this is it. But I, but I still think, you know, George's performance was still not what they were thinking they were going to bring home today. I don't think I don't think anybody had that in the playbook in Mercedes. Um, what, as in it was, but, they thought they'd be lower? Yeah, I think they thought that that he, there was no, I mean, again, I know that he's inherited, um, he's inherited a couple of places from, from, from what happened, but I don't think they had it down that he would have finished that high. And he's done, that's the second time this season that he's done that. Like the fact that he's only just dropped from P2 and the drivers, I know there's, again, there's a multitude of factors as to why that's happened, but he's consistently performed and he's consistently brought home points in a car that is an actual dog. So it's, it's, I think that's the, I think, yes, okay, it's going to be a painful season for Mercedes. They've written off a lot of them being competitive this year. As you say, Alex, it's not like they can rebuild the car. They can bring updates and start making improvements, but they're never going to be where they want to be this season. Do you really think that's going to be enough for Hamilton to go, screw it, I'm out, Mm, bored? No, I don't think so. It doesn't. But that's, that's what I'm saying is the narrative that I've been reading that people have been saying, like, look how, look how depressed he is look how moody he is I mean I got actually really annoyed at how much that Sky was pushing oh Lewis how did it feel when Max lapped you I just didn't think it was fair on either driver I didn't think it was fair on Max I didn't think it was fair on Lewis to kind of make that the narrative and focus on the fact that they're so he's so subdued of course he is He's Lewis flipping Hamilton and he's trundling around in P14 trying to get past an Alpha Tauri. Like, you'd, you'd be fuming. I think we can get quite apocalyptic, can't we, about driver it's a great body word. language <laughs> or yeah, yeah. feelings. Yeah, so. Like, do you know what I but, mean? Like, so, but it's, it's, we're, it's fi- grinding my gears. Final word on Mercedes, Luke, for any new listeners, because we know, you know, this is the Autosport podcast. We know plenty of people listen to this because they've been listening to it for years and they love to you know, kind of get in the weeds a bit. Um, and uh, we can see from the stats, plenty of people are listening you know, more and more. So there's, I think, the new people coming into Formula One. Luke, can you kind of explain that side of it, how a team can win eight world championships and then I think you mentioned on yesterday's podcast like it was their worst weekend or something since since 2011 and if you think back the Braun BGP double one whatever it was had no money spent on it and then those first couple of years at Mercedes it was just rebuilding like that that wasn't even a proper Formula One car back when Michael Schumacher and Rosberg were uh, were driving the cars and what was what am I thinking of was it McLaren winning at the end of 2012 into 13 and then McLaren were nothing the next year how could a team be so dominant Luke and then for any new listeners to this podcast be nowhere this year well it does swing between regulation changes you, you mentioned Braun there and they they had that thing in 2008 2009 2008 they were at the very back of the grid and then Honda basically because it was it was Honda in 2008 spent a ton of money designing the 2009 car and then went ah now we're going to pull the plug pulled out and Braun basically inherited a, a very very quick car which set them up to win the championship and because basically they put everything and all their resources on on the new regulations and we've seen a similar thing with Haas this season they've gone from being the slowest team last year by a country mile to actually being in in, in the thick of the midfield fight this year uh, Kevin Magnussen qualifying uh, what fourth on Friday so 
and that is because basically they went right we're going to write off last year just put full focus on 2022 and the new regulations anytime we have new regulations come into force there's always a bit of a shake-up some teams get it right some teams get it wrong in terms of their interpretation or how they read it and with mercedes that's that that's really that that's how it's gone i mean there are sort of different there's more than one way to skin a cat there's different ways to interpret regulations and i think that that's what's happened with mercedes that yeah they've made they've not they've not got it right with this car the porpoising is such a, a severe issue that is having such a big impact on lewis hamilton and george russell and ultimately yeah the car just isn't it's not where they need it to be so it's that and it's also things like um yeah you look at wind tunnel time and aerodynamic development and things like that the new sort of balance system that's in place in formula one means that it's not like previous years where if you're the fastest team and you get things a little bit wrong ah sod it we'll just throw a load of money in and make it right the cost cap means you can't do that anymore you've got to be very careful about where you spend your money and sort of what you can do and um yeah and you do have to wonder how long and total wolf said on saturday look we're not we're not writing off this season yet at all like we've still got a lot we want to do with the w13 and george russell is very confident that there is a quick car there they just need to get there and unlock its potential but there is obviously a point in every season where you go this isn't going to be our year let's let's just put everything on ice write it off and start turning attention to next season and I just wonder, yeah, how many more weekends will Mercedes go through like this where they go, no, let's keep the faith and keep going with what we're doing this year. But we've got 19 more races to go this season. So I think there's uh, there's there's going to be more to come from Mercedes. Even Christian Horner said after the race that I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it and they will become a force again. But it's, uh, yeah, just crazy to see how things have changed. Rather than just going back to the front, you can become a force, but you're playing catch-up. So you can't just become as fast as Ferrari or Red Bull. You've got to become exactly, as yeah. fast as... And, and more. Plus, yeah, plus exactly. a percentage. That's what Lewis Hamilton said. Right? He said that if we're a second behind, we need to find a second and a half because that's going to put us in front enough to be able to like rack up points and get back in the wow. title fight. So it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big mountain for Mercedes to climb this season. I always feel like we don't often give enough time to drivers that have had a great day. Uh, but Yuki Tsunoda coming in seventh. Alpha Tauri, okay, Pierre Gasly was back in 12th in that kind of DRS train behind the Williams of Alex Albon, actually. And, and Lewis Hamilton behind him just couldn't get past. But otherwise, uh, uh, otherwise Vettel and Stroll in eighth and tenth, bringing in those Aston Martins. Like, we kind of came away from Australia. Um, and my impression was, wow, Aston uh, uh, just got so much work to do. And then we come here, track to track, different characteristics, and they go into a double points finish. Anyone want to take on any thoughts on any of those drivers first before I pick on someone? Luke, I'll I actually made a flippant comment to Alex in the airport queue uh, while we were leaving Melbourne saying, what if... Aston Martin don't score any points this year what if they finish behind Williams and that was that was probably a bit like oh like as Jess said a bit apocalyptic and just like oh imagine this extreme scenario (laughs) and then yeah and this weekend they I think yeah Vettel Vettel did very very well to to get as high up as he did uh, through qualifying and through the sprint and and Stroll today yeah he was he, he was in good shape and Stroll after the race like he said let's not say, look, we fixed everything and we've got a car that's going to be solidly fighting for points now, but we're going to take advantage and, and seize the moment when we can. And that's exactly what Aston did today. And yeah, I mean, what, five points on the board. That's a, that's a very tidy haul. And I think it's, I mean, similar to similar to Williams in a way, it's kind of the thing where it's like, we know those aren't on merit, but if we get the opportunity, we're absolutely going to 
take advantage of that. So yeah, very, very well deserved and, and very well earned today. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll backtrack on saying not America because it, it entirely was was today. Um, but they, um, yeah, I think they can they can be really pleased with that. Um, and while I mentioned Williams there, Alex Alban brilliant again in 11th place and he said to him that performance was just as good as what he did in Melbourne when he got a point for P10 and he said yeah I'm, I'm really happy with that and I'm just it's just so good to see him performing at the peak of his powers again disappointed that he couldn't pick up a point today Lance Stroll was in 10th uh, Kevin Magnussen ninth the last of the drivers on the lead lap and Haas Mick was Mick Schumacher down in 17th so again a bit of a big same as McLaren a big difference between the driver that scored pretty well and the driver that, that, that didn't and we know you know Mick is a, a quick driver but Kevin Magnussen Alex look I know it's a bit of a cliche to say oh they, you know they went backwards through the race but it did feel like he was getting you know, a fair amount of, of overtakes done on him at the, at the, in the first half of the race, really. He did kind of go backwards a bit, but will he feel disappointed with, with ninth today? But K-Mag's having an incredible start to the season. It's so good to see yeah, him Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, like, it's sort of, the car sort of regressed a little bit to its natural level. I think it was sort of artificially inflated by the nature of um, how qualifying ended up. Obviously, he was one of the one of the drivers to benefit from causing a, a red flag, or one of the drivers to cause a red flag that ended up benefiting from one. Um, also, I do think qualifying going back to Friday night had a real impact on the weekend for so many drivers and so many teams. Like, I don't think Mercedes necessarily had both cars knocked out in Q3 if there wasn't a red flag. Sorry, both cars knocked out in Q2 if there wasn't a red flag there because they were all the gaps. Everyone from 9th down to 15th were within a couple of attempts. It was all incredibly close. And you just don't know if I'm probably thinking more about George Russell would have been able to get ahead. And that would have, you know, that that, that might have made things very, very different. Might have made things harder for, for Vettel and Aston Martin. They did incredibly well. Bit like in Australia... Australia, a bit of an outlier track. I think Ferrari was as good as it looked there. I don't think Aston was as bad in reality as it looked there. It's the same with Magnussen, right? So yeah, so he sort of ends up higher than he should have been because of problems for others. And then it just sort of regressed naturally. And the car is very, very good. You know, they've made massive steps, as, as Luke said, helped by the fact that the Ferrari engine is no longer really down on power. Again, it's sort of, it's one of those things. He looked like a bit of a, a sitting duck. It was a weird tactic to go on the mediums in the sprint race. That didn't make a lot of sense. I think they expected higher de- tire degradation um, than, than what it ended up being. But yeah, not... He, he he will be disappointed because he's a racing driver because that's just what they like. They don't think in terms of, oh, I'm just so happy and lucky to be here. They always want to win. He shouldn't be disappointed. I think I think ninth place is still a, is still a decent result for Haas. We move on, and I'll just finish off uh, below the top 10 for completeness. Alex Albon, 11th in the Williams. Pierre Gasly, 12th. Hamilton, 13th. Esteban Ocon, 14th. Uh, some stories as we head down the grids. Yes, a bit of an unsafe relief uh, release uh, for Ocon into Hamilton's path in a pretty tight uh, sort of old-fashioned pit lane, a bit of contact. They got away with that. Joe fifteenth in the Alfa Romeo. Nicholas Latifi sixteenth. Uh, Mick Schumacher seventeenth. Daniel Ricciardo eighteenth in the McLaren. Two DNS. Fernando Alonso damage at the beginning. Uh, the race and Carlos Sainz, as we have mentioned. Now we move on in two weeks' time, and we're heading to Miami. Man, this is exciting. We have hired the worst Airbnb that money can buy, and you guys are all heading over there. You're going to be staying in the same place. Uh, Alex, you're back on You're back on the road. Are you looking forward yeah, to I Miami? I am, mainly because we're going to a Formula One race, but also, really <laughs> interestingly, we've been invited to a special um, uh, media event or a special 
special sort of uh, sponsor event for by by Mercedes because Lewis mm. Hamilton and Tom Brady are playing golf together. Now I have absolutely no time for golf, but <laughs> two of the greatest sports people in the world being together. I think that's very very cool. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well as as seeing what uh, Miami uh, has has in offer. And what else are you looking forward to, Alex? Wishing you a happy birthday. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's Thank you. We're going like, to ca- catch some. Ba- we're going to catch some baseball out there, yeah, right? That's the other thing baseball, I, yeah. I thought you were th- referencing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got. Uh, I, I'm going to have a 29 hour 27th birthday on uh, May 3rd. So I'm marketing this as birthday beers, baseball, Brady, and some Formula One. Nice, brilliant. I like it. Uh, NFL's Miami Dolphins are making way at the Hard Rock Stadium for some Formula One. Uh, Jess, are you looking forward to just something something new uh, and a different and a track layout and and like literally everything is unknown. I know that tracks the they'll be doing modelling and simulators and all that, which they always do going to a new, a new location. But ultimately, it's never the same as getting there and getting the cars out. So you're looking forward to it, Jess? Yeah, yeah, it's an unknown, right? And it's it's a US Grand Prix, which means that the entertainment factor is going to be dialed up to a thousand, whether or not the on-track entertainment is dialed up to a thousand that remains to be seen but it's always exciting going to somewhere new um it's going to be my first grand prix back since abu dhabi so i feel like i need to get over my trauma of abu dhabi um so it'll be nice to go (laughs) go and and hopefully have a have a much much easier time of it anyway um but yeah so yeah mad excited and our airbnb has a fire pit so what we've got stuart codling joining us we do. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I didn't know that. You've got yeah, Connors. You've got us in the Airbnb. Are you going to make sure he gets his own bedroom? Or, <laughs> oh, yeah. Who's sharing with Codders? So that was that was yeah, part like of Codders. the uh, Airbnb deciding factor was how so many how many bedrooms yeah, how many bedrooms can we <laughs> and on what parts of the house are they can we escape? No, surely not. Wonderful. We cannot wait to bring you the coverage of that, so stay tuned to autosport.com, onto our YouTube channel as well as we look ahead to what the track layout's going to look like and which cars it may suit. We've seen so far in Formula 1 2022 that so much is track dependent and we just don't know what to expect. We cannot wait to start previewing that. Thank you so much for listening to the Autosport podcast this week and we'll see you soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. 
There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.